look, I like Mitch Trubisky. I'd like to keep him. There are all kinds of good reasons to keep him. But there are enough compelling reasons to at least wonder if it's the best possible approach. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Mitch was a pretty good quarterback, certainly for a number two guy in the 2022 season. And take that from someone who couldn't wait to have Kenny Pickett supplant him. I was hardly a Mitch booster. In fact, if anything, I was a little bit more in the other direction because I felt very strongly that the other guy was going to represent the future. And the the sooner that the future got going, the healthier it would be for the franchise. It kind of worked out like that. It wasn't all perfect. It wasn't all just some straight upward trajectory, but it kind of it kind of happened that Kenny was in there and presided over some late drives and the seven and two stretch. Yes, lesser opponents and all kinds of other variables, but you get the general idea. It went fairly well for the first season post Hall of Fame franchise quarterback. And to hear Art Rooney tell it, as he did a few days ago, Mitch will continue to be part of that. The owner spoke in really stark terms, surprisingly so, I thought, about Trubisky's future, just saying, yeah, we expect him to be here. We expect him to be the guy, and we expect him to be able to help us win games if he's called upon. That wasn't exactly, you know, hemming and hawing over it. And, of course, some of that has to do with the fact that Mitch has another year on a signed contract. But then this is where it starts getting a little bit murky. Mitch has another year, but Mitch would cost $10 million in change against the cap if the contract stays as it is. And you can't forcibly, of course, restructure a player's contract. The player has to be kind of in on that. So, Would Mitch go for a restructure? Would Mitch maybe go for an extension? Something I don't hear anybody bring up. But say to him, listen, you are where you are in your career as an NFL quarterback. Uh, We respect that. We value that. And if we take this contract that you have right now, but we extrapolate it over two or three years and say, we expect you to be here. We expect you to support Kenny, we expect you to be both available and ready to be our main guy if needed. That might be the best situation you could set yourself up for. No shame in it. You know, no disgrace. No, oh, no, Mitch failed or whatever. But we don't know that. We don't know that. We know that he's got that competitive spirit. We know that he, like you know, pretty much every backup at every position in every sport wants to be the starter. But would something like this be overcommitting to be a backup? Would it be the equivalent of the contracts that Charlie Batch used to sign where Charlie knew he wasn't going to be the starter, like, at all, barring an emergency? But Charlie kind of figured out where his place was once his run as a starter came to an end in Detroit, and he was going to 
you know, be here and fill a role and fill it well. And if not, if Mitch says, you know what, I, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm looking around the league right now and I see teams all over the country who could use help at quarterback, who could use a number one quarterback. I'm not blind. I have a TV. Don't tell me that I couldn't outplay this guy in Atlanta or that guy in Indianapolis. I've seen who they have. I'm better than that. So I'm going to do the same thing I did last year after serving a year in Buffalo as Josh Allen's backup, and I'm going to keep my options open while also recognizing and understanding that I do have another year on the existing contract, at which point the Steelers can just say, hey, you know what? We tried to make this work, including for you. And we're just going to cut you and you can go ahead and do your shopping and we save $8 million in cap space. You don't save all of it, of course, because you do have to replace your backup quarterback. More convolution, right? Because whoever you get to replace Mitch, you would want to be of similar quality. You would want them also to be someone who fits with the offense that's now more than ever going to be tailored to Kenny. Do you follow me on this? What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. Now more than ever... Matt Canada, Mike Sullivan, everybody is going to sit down with Kenny and say, what works for you? How do we get this player involved? How do we get more throws to George Pickens? How do we get more throws to Pat Fryermuth? How do we get Najee Harris more involved in catching balls out of the backfield? And increasingly, with every session, and then later on with every drill, it's going to be the backup quarterback running Kenny's offense. So you want it to be someone who has qualities like Kenny's, including physically. And guess what? Mitch is that guy. Mitch has that escapability that you want. Mitch can pull off a handful of designed runs. He has a similar arm trajectory, uh, ability to find guys downfield, maybe a little bit more advanced than Kenny's at the moment. He's loud. He's in charge when he's on the field. It just wouldn't feel all that different to the offensive guys when they're out there if there's a sudden change in quarterback. Oh, and one other kind of important detail. He knows the offense. He knows the offensive players. He's developed relationships with them to the extreme that he was the offensive captain in 2022 throughout the year, even after he lost his starting job. He was still going out for the coin flips. All of these things matter. All of them are valuable and apparently to hear Rooney tell it valued, but it takes two. It takes two to reach what I feel has to be either a restructure or an extension. Because if it's neither, that'll tell you two things about Mitch. One, he doesn't want to hang around, which is going to be a little bit of a problem. 
And two, that $8 million cap space could be invested a whole lot more smartly in someone else and maybe multiple someone else's meaning help at other positions. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from... Aaron, and we are still talking about Monday's episode, in which I mentioned my feeling that to get to the Super Bowl, you need five elite players. doesn't matter if it's all on one side of the ball, split up, whatever. You need five guys. And for the Steelers, the current Steelers right now, not potential, I cited 2.5. I cited TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, and a respectful nod to Cam Hayward at his current age. I also pointed to the offensive side and said that I could see Najee Harris getting there sooner rather than later. I could see Kenny Pickett getting there someday. I could see George Pickens getting there someday. And I left out Pat Fryermuth. And I brought up why on yesterday's show in response to a whole bunch of feedback on that front. And I additionally mentioned, parenthetically, why I didn't cite Alex Highsmith. So Aaron says, good morning, DK. I agree with your Friarmouth take that he's not on that path yet. If anything, I felt like Highsmith was more of a snob on your part. Highsmith was in the almost elite category just this season. He deserves way more credit than he gets in general, in my opinion. I'm, am I the only one, and feel free to share with me if you think I am, who watches Highsmith and wants more consistent disruption snap after snap? Like, I get the part where he will, I was about to say run into people, and that would have been mean, but I, I understand where he's hard to play against, he's persistent, he stands tall, he bull rushes more than anything, and he will, because of all of those traits and his size and strength, get his share of sacks and tackles for losses. What I don't see from him, and again, I'm open to being wrong on this, it's just one person's view, is that consistent impact on plays where you don't come away with the big prize. And maybe that's a result of having watched Bud Dupree here for five years. But Bud was that rare guy on a football field who could make tons and tons of impact without a stat line because he was just all over the place his he's you know those 
huge pterodactyl wings he has for arms and just flopping them and flying all over creation and having everybody go, whoa, what do we do with this guy? And while that's happening, TJ comes swooping in and gets the stat. And then in Bud's final year in Pittsburgh, before the injury, obviously, he really, eh, maybe the year before that, I should say, he really put everything together. He stopped over-pursuing the quarterback. He stopped ending up 10 yards downfield and started finding a, a straighter line to the quarterback or the running back or whoever he was chasing. And then he became just, you know, 10 times the player. But I liked Bud before that. I liked Bud when he wasn't getting his sacks. And so did TJ, I should add. So maybe it's just unfair on my end because they're different players. They're different people. And maybe I shouldn't be looking at at Highsmith from that standpoint. I just don't see a, a guy where I just go, wow, that's elite. And maybe I should. Maybe I undervalue the sack. Maybe that's as a result of being really skeptical uh, at the time of his playing career of a guy like uh, the late Kevin Green. When he was in Pittsburgh, everyone was going, yeah, Kevin Green, yeah, he's the greatest, he's the greatest, and look, he's got the hair flowing, and he's got the Hulk Hogan thing and everything else. And he did one thing. Now, he did it well enough to end up in Canton, and nobody would dispute his credentials, certainly not statistically. But you didn't see the impact play after play after play, and to stay in that same era... For those of you who go this far back, who was the player who actually made Green's sacks possible? Yeah, it was the other OLB. It was Greg Lloyd. Lloyd was doing these things, snap after snap after snap. No one wanted to face him. No one wanted anything to do with him. Heck, I don't think people on his own team wanted anything to do with him. This was one pretty mean SOB. But that's, that's maybe, again, that's, that's, this is something that I'm applying unfairly to Highsmith. If you think so, let me know. I mean, this, this figurative line is always open. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. Mm-hmm.